The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. Welcome to Trouble Tuesdays here on Passion, the night that I reserve to answer all of your questions about love, sex, and relationships. You can text me at 514-800. You can call me at 514-790-0800. You can also email me your questions to laurie at drlaurie.com, spelled L-A-U-R-I-E at D-R-L-A-U-R-I-E. And lots of people like to send that. Uh, send by email because you can put in, I guess, more uh, more information. Uh, So here's a couple of emails. Uh, Love the show. Uh, Says love if you'd put my name on the radio, but I'm not using any names. A huge fan. My question is, I'm well endowed and my girlfriend loves my penis, but she only wants sex twice a month. I need more than that. She always complains it hurts after a few minutes. I usually have to masturbate to finish myself off. She gives me oral sex and tries, but it's just not enough. Uh, So it's hard to know. It's hard to answer this, really, when you have different levels of wanting, right? So you may want it uh, twice a week. Your partner wants it twice a month. We want to find out what it is. What is it that would make her more willing? Is she avoiding it or only having it twice a month because she finds that uh, intercourse is too painful? If that's what we have to address, then we need to look at using a whole lot more lubricant, for example, or finding positions where she's in control of the, the depth of, uh, of penetration. But I need more information. Like I need to know what her experience of this is. Where's her desire level at? And um, would she be willing to engage in other forms of sexuality? So if if intercourse uh, for her twice a month is enough because it's more or less uncomfortable, then there are other ways to be sexual and to give each other pleasure. But you guys need to be able to have a conversation about this to see how we can find a way to compromise on this and find a way so that it is comfortable uh, for everybody. There is a reality, like I have spoken to a few men who are uh, very well endowed, who actually have found it very, very difficult uh, to find sexual partners where they fit completely and I remember speaking to one guy who said it was a curse for him, a complete curse, that there, uh, more than half of the women he's been with, he couldn't even uh, penetrate. So, you know, some for some men, they think, oh, bigger is better. But for women, no, it's not really the case. Sometimes too big is simply uh, too big. Not that you could do anything about it, um, but finding other ways so that uh, to make it more comfortable uh, for your partner is uh, is a good place to start. I'm 27 years old from, this is a guy, from New York City and work as a real estate agent. I am a healthy individual and athletic build. I recently went through a rough time with family and work and stressed me out a lot. And while during this time, I did meet an individual who was very sexually active and we had sex a lot of times. But a lot of the time, I would lose my erection during sex. Maybe I was overthinking a lot, and that caused lots of issues between us and happened quite a few times. We eventually did go our own way. 
I have now found somebody new who is my girlfriend and is 40 and who is super hot. LOL, overall, did uh, due to my past experience, I am now feeling some sexual anxiety and it is troubling me now about not performing and maybe losing my erection during sex. I'm able to get an erection in the morning normally and during times if I masturbate, no problem. I spoke with my doctor. I am all healthy and was given Cialis 5 milligrams just to help. Overall, how can I overcome this anxiety and be able to perform without issues? Thank you for your time. So part of this, this is exactly what we've talked about many times on the program, and that is um, about performance anxiety. Clearly, you you're, you seem to be an anxious person. You've, you've been stressed out a lot. Your stress levels affect what goes on in your mind. If you add that worries about losing your erection, worries about being judged, all of these fears uh, lead men to lose their erection. So uh, my recommendation is to have an open, honest conversation with your sexual partner, letting them know that you're feeling anxious, letting them know uh, that this is something that worries you and that will lead to um, losing that erection. Because the only way is to empty your brain, um, not think while you're having sex, which means focusing on um, focusing on your breathing, focusing on bodily sensations, rather than all these messages in your head screaming at you like, oh my God, what if I don't get it? What if I don't get it up? What's going to happen? What is she going to think? All those thoughts interfere with pleasure and erectile functioning. So you're going to have to find ways to relax your mind. If you can't do this on your own, and then seek help. Like go speak to somebody who can, who specializes in uh, in anxiety, helps you reduce the anxiety because you probably could use some help in reducing anxiety in your life. Uh, from what I hear, th- from what you're telling me here, it sounds like there, there's other things uh, going on. The only way to do this is really to stop having, stop putting such pressure on yourself to be the performer. Uh, and so men who end up um, in relationships over time, who feel safe in the relationship, who feel like if they lose it, it's no big deal to the partner, who don't feel like their partner will judge them, who have an understanding partner. And my guess is if you talk about it, your partner will be understanding, um, but you have to talk about it. And maybe that was the problem in your first relationship that it didn't go very well. It caused problems because your part, your partner may have taken it personally, may have thought, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with me? Uh, you, maybe you're not attracted to me. And so it caused some of this, uh, uh, conflict maybe in the relationship. So being able to, uh, talk about it is not, uh, it should be the, the way uh, to go. And it's really important to reduce the anxiety and, and it will reduce the more you can bring it out there and talk and learn to be vulnerable with your partner. If this is your, uh, regular partner, um, somebody wrote an occasional erectile dysfunction over 40. Welcome to the real world. Well, yes, when there's a lot of stress, especially if, you're going through a particularly rough time. You're overloaded at work. Maybe you bring your work home in your head. You're you're preoccupied. When you're preoccupied, you're not fully in the mood. You can't fully be uh, fully be in in 
in your body when all this is happening. So uh, there you go. Hope, uh, hope that helps just a little bit. Uh, there have been times in my life, 514-800, by the way, to text, when sex was really important. Now at age 45, I can honestly say I'm not the least bit interested. My friends seem to think this indicates a problem, but the thing is, I actually don't miss it at all and find it tremendously liberating. Why won't people just accept this? What a great question. You're right. Why can people just accept that somebody is not interested in sex? When we look at um, dysfunction, like if, if we look at the, the manual that we use to diagnose, there's one element in there that is very important. And that element is it, it has to cause you distress. If you have no desire, but it causes you no distress, then it's not a problem. And maybe it's just a phase of life you're in. You're right. It feels liberating. You've put it on the back burner. You decided, Hey, I'm choosing celibacy for now. Okay. Uh, that's fine. That's a choice and it's, uh, it's perfectly okay. But you may find that that will change. Maybe in a few years time, you'll meet somebody and this will reawaken, um, that sexual desire. So that's certainly a possibility as well, but this is the way it is for now. So tell people to, you know, too bad for them and uh, don't listen to what they have to say. Coming up, somebody who's been cheated on and what to do about that. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Trouble Tuesdays tonight on the program where I answer your questions. Of course, you can always um, contribute to the program by uh, sharing your own experiences or your own little tidbits of advice. You can text in at 514-800 or uh, you can always call me at 514-790-0800. So here's one. My girlfriend says she cheated on me with a friend of hers. She has really tried to fix our relationship. I hate this person she cheated on me with. I haven't told her not to see him again, but I hope she would take how I feel about him into account. But she doesn't want to stop hanging out with him. It's like there's no difference in their relationship, and I think the fact they had sex changes everything. Her and I are long distance, but she is coming uh, here for a visit. What can I tell her? What should I do? Uh, Don't you think this is something you have to rethink in terms of the relationship? First of all, you have to make it very, very clear to her that you are very uncomfortable with her uh, continuing this friendship with someone she slept with. So a couple of things are going on here. One, she cheated on you, so she betrayed you. Two, she's not taking into account your feelings. Those are like major red flags. And three, it's a long distance relationship. So right there causes some problems. Do you have future plans? Do you have plans of being in the same city at any point to live in the same city? So, um, you know, when somebody is that far away and you only see each other, uh, I don't know how often you see each other, but let's say, you know, once a month or once every couple of weeks or, or what have you, Uh, they may end up getting lonely, either one of you or both of you, and it just makes it easier to, uh, unfortunately, maybe find other, uh, other partners. And you can't really, it's not about keeping tabs, but you, you don't feel connected 
in in the same way i don't know it seems to me you need to think about this um this relationship at the very least you need to talk to her and say look i'm not comfortable and this is this is my boundary like you need to set a boundary and and then have a consequence if that boundary is not followed through otherwise you will never be able to trust her or uh, rebuild trust with the, with this person again if anybody else has some uh, some tips or some advice that they want to give uh, the people who uh, write in then uh, please do as this person wrote in tell her to stay home and save her money once a cheater always a cheater uh, well that's a, that's interesting perspective because I, I actually don't think that's um, entirely true I think that some people can cheat make mistakes and recover from that and repair and rebuild a relationship but you do have to look at somebody's history and that's uh, that, that's part of the assessments that we make of of people when we're dating them like you you should be looking for what are the red flags in this relationship and there are a couple here uh, right there off off the bat what I, what, I, what I can see here in terms of the writing a person wants to know what's the difference between a psychologist psychotherapist counselor therapist Okay, that's actually a very, that's a very good question considering there are people who are looking for help and may not know the difference with all of that. So let's see if I can explain this uh, correctly and if there are any therapists out there who could do a better job or if I miss something, please uh, weigh in. I'd appreciate it at 514-800. So most of it is a difference in degrees, in, in educational degrees. So today's psychologist, you, t- today you need a doctorate, a PhD to be a psychologist. When I became a psychologist, like I have a, a PhD, so I'm a clinical psychologist, but um, prior to these new rules, which I think have been in effect, I think in the last five years or so, now, if you want to be a psychologist, you need to have a doctorate degree. That's about eight years minimum of university education. That's a minimum. Um, but prior to that, if you had a master's degree in counseling psychology or educational uh, psychology or uh, or just a master's in psychology, you at Back then, you could be part of the order of psychologists, which would give you the license to practice as a psychologist. So today's kids, kids, today's young adults who are going through school and want to be a psychologist, in order to practice here in Quebec, you need to go all the way to uh, graduate school and have a, um, like to the second degree in graduate school and get a, a doctorate. A psychotherapist is, um, psychotherapists get a license. Now, in the last few years, um, it, it is a protected title. It was not before, so anybody could have called themselves a psychotherapist. But now, to become a psychotherapist, you have to get your license through the order of psychologists, actually. But it doesn't make you a psychologist, but it makes you a psychotherapist. Um, 
And they can come from multiple disciplines, like as long as they're pra- they practice in that field, like uh, somebody with a master's in social work, for example, can get the license to be a uh, psychotherapist. The difference between the two is a psychologist is the only profession, aside from the a medical profession, that is allowed to diagnose, to, to present a diagnosis. Psychotherapists cannot Uh, diagnose. A counselor is another degree. Usually they are um, people who practice, who who studied like guidance counseling, for example, or educational counseling. Uh, There's counseling psychology as well. Uh, It's hard to see the difference between counselor and psychotherapist, but it's just a different uh, degree. And oftentimes we see counselors more like in the schools and things like that. So, uh, and a therapist, well, what's a therapist? A therapist can be, um, you know, do you have a massage therapist? You have uh, uh, different kinds of, depending on the discipline. So if you're looking for someone, you uh, ask, you can, when you make your phone calls, when you're shopping around for a therapist, you ask them questions. You ask them where, what their uh, degree is in, what their specialty is. Maybe you can ask them what their approach to therapy, uh, to therapy is. For some people, if they have um, private health insurance, and many of the private health insurance will only cover a licensed psychologist, not psychotherapist, counselor, or any other therapist, but licensed psychologist. So you may want to check with your insurance to um, make sure which of these disciplines are covered. Uh, sometimes they cover psychotherapists and, so, and oftentimes it's just psychologists. So you'd have to ask and make sure that the person has a psychology um license. So I hope that helps. If there's anything anybody wants to add to that, uh, please do. Okay. Uh, this for the cheater, uh, the, the cheating girlfriend, I would definitely break up with her, i.e. long distance relationship. She doesn't respect what you feel or respects you as her boyfriend. If she cheated, you deserve to feel loved, respected, and wanted. I hope this helps. Yes, this uh, certainly helps. And I agree with you. This person does deserve to feel loved and certainly uh, respected um, for sure. Uh, Another question, is it possible for a dad to get full custody of his three children, age 15, 14, 13? Dad is the principal caretaker, both parents work. Well, you know, anything is, uh, is possible. You'd have to, uh, actually, this is a good question. I'm going to keep this question for, uh, Maitre Linda Hammerschmidt, who's going to be joining us on Thursday evening. So that's a good question for a lawyer, but you can make the request. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I've known fathers who have been the, uh, who have had, uh, full-time like physical custody, usually in agreement with the other caregiver or the other parent. So I don't know what your situation is. So for Thursday night, give me a bit more detail um, that we can give to uh, to Metro Linda who can will be able to uh, to help you. Uh, we passion poet weighs in men have many problems. Some of us too big, others too small, some of getting it regular, some nothing at all. Not everyone is faithful and all the trust is gone. A difficult situation. You lost that important bond. Trouble Tuesdays can help 
Dr. Lori will remove the fear. She will give you the best advice. Maybe not what you want to hear. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I don't always give you what you uh, may want to hear. Thank you, Passion Poet, for weighing in once again. Uh, 514-800 if you want to uh, text in your thoughts, uh, your comments. Oh, your poetry uh, right here on uh, on Passion and This Troubled Tuesdays. Uh, let's, uh, see what I have here. Um, my wife is due in 10 days. Is it safe to have intercourse? So I'm not a, a medical doctor and I don't know if we have had this question before. It looks so familiar to me. Um, you, of course you have to always check with uh, your obstetrician, uh, but generally if there has been no issue, actually it is perfectly safe to have intercourse to the end. Just know that intercourse could stimulate it's orgasm stimulates contractions and could, um, could put you in, uh, labor, which is not a bad thing. If you're already, um, you're at your due date or close to it or, and, and the baby is, is all, you know, fully uh, developed and ready to come out, then uh, that could just speed things up along the way, which is, uh, can be a very uh, good thing. So if you want to speed things up, have intercourse and make sure your partner has a, uh, has an orgasm. Coming up, question about masturbation and why it is physically important. Another a great question. Of course, all questions are good questions to me. And remember, if you have a question, you can bet other people have had the same question, or at least one other person listening has had the, uh, the same question. So uh, remember that no question is a silly question in my books. Feel free at 514-800. Right now, let's check in with the CJD 800 newsroom. The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. All your questions welcome tonight at 514-800. Your comments too, or you can call in at 514-790-0800. You can also email me questions to lori at drlori.com. Uh, this texture writes in, long distance relationships are for the most part a waste of time. Most want at least regular physical contact. One weekend a month will not cut it. Uh, what do you think about, uh, has anybody ever been in a long distance relationship that worked? The only ones I've seen work are certainly not ones that have started out as long distance, um, where unfortunately these days with, um, with dating apps and everything else, you can meet people who are far away and develop this, what seems to be a really intimate relationship when you're so far away from each other and you've never actually met. I know I have heard many times people say, oh, I fell in love with this person or I'm in love with a person that I've never, ever met. I find that really hard to believe, and it's uh, it, you're falling in illusion with a with a fantasy of somebody you think. I don't. I really don't think that you get to really know a person until you're physically with them, and I don't mean in the sexual sense, but where you can observe them in their everyday uh, habitat, if you will. Um, but relationships that have that have been 
let's say serious or, or, or stable for a certain amount of time. And then circumstances take you away from each other, like taking a course out of town or the army or something like that. Uh, then those can work as long as you find ways to maintain contact. And of course, it's so much easier these days to maintain a long distance relationship. I remember way back when, when it was only the phone that you had and where you had to pay, like, I don't even know, you know, some places you're talking about a buck a minute or something that you're on the phone. It was expensive to have a long distance relationship. So that's, we don't have that issue anymore. People can stay connected through FaceTime and and such. Uh, So for those, yes, because there's a, usually a plan in place for what happens after a certain amount of time. Okay. When you finish your program, we'll be together. When you finish school, when you finish your contract from work, we'll be together. So there's a, there is a, a plan, but you know, beware of like making serious plans with somebody that you, you started a long distance relationship with and have never met. You don't even know if they're a real person on the other side. I've heard some pretty horrendous stories when it comes to that. If you have some of your own, please, uh, please share. It could be very helpful to, uh, to others. All right. Why is masturbation physically important? A good question. Uh, first of all, masturbation for men and women is a good thing. There's nothing bad about it unless you're doing it, uh, compulsively and you, you can't get through the day and you get caught at work and you, or you do it in public places or, or what have you. But generally speaking, that's like really the exception. Uh, generally speaking, masturbation is healthy because it keeps the blood flowing to your genitals. There's a, uh, the, the saying use it or lose it really does apply to our sexual organs. So we need that blood flow to, uh, to keep them, uh, uh, to keep them functioning. So that's the most important thing. Plus, when you have orgasms, you have release, a release of, of certain, uh, uh, hormones that are also good for you and healthy for you. Like there's nothing unhealthy about masturbation, nothing, absolutely nothing. Uh, let's see, Dr. Lori, marriages in the fifties mostly lasted a lifetime. The sixties, a slight decline, seventies, much more eighties to today. Marriage is more of an event. Vows are meaningless. Couples give up too easy. We all need to re-examine the word love seems to be losing the true meaning, except you have to look at it in the social context as well. I don't think that we have lost the word love or don't know what it's about. I don't think that has changed so much, but expectations have changed and uh, women's roles have changed a lot. So in the fifties, sure, uh, they lasted a a lifetime because women had no other option. They couldn't leave a marriage. For example, uh, they were completely dependent on a, on, on a partner to support them and they really had no other, uh, or very, very few options. So few people, uh, divorced, but that doesn't mean they were happily married, uh, that whole, uh, lifetime. And as you see in the sixties, the seventies, the eighties and beyond, well, we've come to a much more uh, egalitarian kind of way in the household where you have men and women doing, both of them doing the chores, both of them working, maybe not equally, I have to say. Studies still show that women do 
more than their male counterparts when it comes to household chores and child rearing. I'm not saying that's true of everybody, but the studies do show that they, women spend about an hour and a half more a day than, uh, than their partners do. So I think it's the landscape that has changed more than how, uh, how we view love. I can also tell you that studies are showing that the generation now who are getting married are getting married a little later and their relationships tend to last longer because they are waiting uh, later as well to be settled, to uh, know a little bit more what they want, etc. So I think we're go- the marriage, the, the rate of divorce is actually on the decline, not on the rise as well. So something's happening. There is definitely a shift. I guess we'll, uh, we'll see a bit more. Hi, Dr. Lori. I've been with my husband for 30 years in a long-distance relationship. Wow. He is a truck driver. It hasn't been easy, but it is possible. Love your show. I listen every night. Oh, thank you. Uh, so when it's circumstances, I get it. You know, you have, we, there are couples, for example, the, where one partner works in another city and they come home just on the weekends. That, it can absolutely work if two people are are good with it. Like you, you would have to be a super independent, uh, secure individual to, uh, to be completely satisfied with this kind of thing. I'm sure you would like to see your partner more, but this is the way it is. And he has chosen his career. You have chosen yours and you came together. You've made it work for 30 years. I think that's pretty inspirational actually for others who, um, you know, whose partners are not always 100% available, but clearly you made it work. And I'm assuming you're in contact uh, quite a bit. Uh, I considered that fact of 50s women had fewer options, but I think they were more successful because of a better family bond, more mutual respect. Um, I don't know. I, I, I do think in the 50s, times were simpler. I think there was expectations were, um, were pretty, uh, uh, straightforward for example. And, and so it might've been a simpler time. I'm just not sure that there was a better family bond. I think in this day and age, fathers are far more involved with their children. So if that, if that does something to the family bond, to me, that, that matters a lot. Whereas maybe the fifties dad was, he was expected to be the sole provider and work a lot. And the mother's job was the raising of the children for the most part again. Uh, so that has changed. So I'm not sure about that. Uh, another question, another, um, uh, comment about long distance relationships. I had a long distance relationship with a guy who was visiting Montreal for the first time. It was I who hooked up a chat, a chat online before we met the following day. We ended up in a six month relationship, visiting each other's home every three weeks. All was swimming until the Pope died in 2005. I knew he was a practicing Catholic who was preparing to come out of the closet communication suddenly stopped with no explanation, no closure. It took a year for me to move on. That sounds rather confusing. Um, and I'm not sure what you mean by coming out of the closet, like coming out of the closet closet, like he was gay. I, uh, I'm not sure if you're a guy talking about this. Uh, anyhow, uh, let's assume 
that's uh, that's the case. So, well, you know, a lot, all, all kinds of things can happen, and you, when you're not in the same city, sometimes you don't actually get to know somebody in all of those different areas or at this at the same speed long distance relationships just last longer sometimes than they're meant to because we stretch it out and every time we see each other it's like a honeymoon phase and then we don't you don't really get to know a person fully uh, that way coming up more of your questions and uh, long distance relationship stories and a question about the HPV vaccines coming up passion with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800 last few minutes in to uh, get your questions uh, ready for me at 514-800 or you can call me at 514-790-0800 another texter on, on the subject of long distance relationships my girlfriend travels to Sweden regularly to visit her aging mom for a month or two at a time I hate to admit it but I enjoy the time alone we Skype daily when she is home we make up for lost time again someone who has been able to uh, to to make it work and for some people depending on one's personality yes you might enjoy that time uh, that time alone absolutely uh, let's see uh, I am a 40 year old virgin should I get the HPV vaccine the human papilloma vaccine so uh, virus vaccine so yes the answer is yes uh, actually they were just talking about it on the air I don't know if it was this morning or yesterday on on uh, the Elias Mako show I think where um, it's most effective when uh, uh, when young so this is why they do it in elementary school now where they give you the vaccine it's just more more effective uh, but it, it it's also the studies show that it's still effective in uh, older adults as well um, human papillomavirus is a skin-to-skin um, uh, sexually transmitted infection so any activity any genital activity it doesn't have to be uh, intercourse could pass on the uh, the virus so that's something that you you might want to uh, to know uh, and you may not be a, a virgin forever so part of that is if you're going to be sexually active then at least you can be uh, somewhat protected um, from HPV it only protects you from obviously from certain certain strains of it there are many many strains of HPV and the vaccine is uh, for uh, some of the strains that can cause uh, cervical cancer and on that note this person asked this is likely a silly question but do you need a pap test or other test if you are a virgin and this is from a 42 year old virgin Um, okay so the pap test is a screening test for uh, abnormal cells in the cervix they take a little uh, they take a, a sample of the cervix they test it for to make sure the cells are okay we now know that uh, the cause of cervical cancer is the human papilloma virus so if you have had any contact below the belt you are at risk and you should get a pap test even if you are a virgin as far as I know 
but I'm going to say it. I'm not a medical doctor. This is something that when you have your wellness checkup with your GP, it's something that you should absolutely uh, discuss. Or if you have a gynecologist, uh, you should uh, should discuss this. (laughs) Texter writes, all listeners should donate $10 and get the 40-year-old virgin laid. Oh, come on. Um, Met my girlfriend on a ski trip out west. Four years later, we still maintain our relationship between Boston and Montreal. Could not be happier. We are working on bringing our lives together over the next two years. We are in constant contact over messenger and phone. I have a child which keeps things from moving too quickly, and she is most understanding. When it's meant to be, it can work. Well, I tell you, when people put effort into it, yes, anything can succeed if uh, you want it and you uh, you try to make it work. And there's no question about it. But you both have to be understanding and patient and um, and secure in in the relationship. And yes, I'm not saying it they don't work. It, it can work. Um. I'm in a oh another one long-term relationship and I wonder is it considered cheating when I fantasize of other oh no I'm in a long-term sorry not long this long-term relationship is it considered cheating when I fantasize of other women other than my wife when making love with her ooh we just answered that question not too long ago if I remember correctly and uh, the answer is, there's nothing wrong. It is not considered cheating. Your thoughts are not actions. Your cheating would be your actions. This is my opinion on this. Uh, it's it's not just an opinion. I know that if you took a poll of people, they would tell you that occasionally they can fantasize about other people. The only time I would say there's a, a warning bell would go off in my brain would be if this was something you did consistently. What are you avoiding with your partner if it's something you do uh, consistently? What is going on? So there would be something more to it. But if it is an occasional fantasy about somebody else, that is uh, perfectly normal. And let's be clear, cheating behavior are actions that you do. Fantasies are your own. They are... They're merely erotic stories in your head that create arousal. That's it, (laughs) okay? Uh, We shouldn't make too, too much um, about those. My partner and I had really good sex for the first year. After the first year, it got less and less, and for the last four, we have next to no sex. Is it because he doesn't like my body, or is it because he had a prostate operation? He had that when I met him, and he was okay. I think he is just bored. When we do have sex, he has to take the pills, and sometimes that does not work. What can I do because I really still have feelings for sex? Um, I have to say, I could not get a better man than him, except for the no sex. So I don't have much information to go on, except, uh, well, first of all, what's his age? We know he's had a prostate operation, so that might be a problem, although you said he had that and it was okay. Uh, I would want to know, like, what's up with his desire level? I wouldn't take it personally. I would want to find out first 
what is going on with him. Because if everything else is good in the relationship, there may be something happening with him in terms of age too. I don't know. Uh, or maybe some he's avoiding sex for fear of not performing. Maybe he has some issue around a fear of losing his erection or not getting an erection and of disappointing you or you taking it personally or what have you. So um, maybe there is that fear which can create uh, an erectile dysfunction issue. So there's lots of questions here that I would have. I would say the best thing to do is probably to... Uh, together go uh, and see a therapist who can help you figure out what it is but you need to tell him you need to say look I'm concerned about this I want us to have a healthy sex life and I want to help like what you know let's try and figure out what's going on and, and we'll figure this out together so if you approach it that way and you approach it with kindness and uh, compassion should be uh, you should get somewhere with that. Uh, Hi, Dr. Lori. I've been in a long distance relationship since October. I met him in June and I feel we are still in our honeymoon phase. I wonder if it's possible for the honeymoon phase of a relationship to extend longer than when in a long-term relationship. The answer is because every time when you're apart, um, when you come back together, it becomes like a mini honeymoon every time. So you are actually extending that honeymoon phase. But it also means you're extending a relationship that if you were together, might not other worked out or or let's just say if the relationship was meant to end after three months with a long distance relationship, it might last six months or nine months because you just don't get enough time together to completely evaluate uh, the relationship. You get to know somebody every day um, when you're in contact with them and see them in different contexts and all of that. And that makes a difference as well. That's it. The music means I'm out. Uh, thank you so much for all of your questions and for spending time with me here tonight. Thanks to our technical producer, Dave Simon. If you want to send me emails, you can do that to Lori at drlori.com. Listen to the beginning of every show where I answer some, where I answer questions. Uh, and Or uh, you can go straight to my website, drlori.com, where you can just fill out the contact sheet there. It's, uh, it'll get to me nonetheless. On the website are also podcasts of all our past shows, so you can download them uh, whenever you feel like it. On social media, my social media handle is at Dr. Lori Betito, D-R-L-A-U-R-I-E-B-E-T-I-T-O. Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Wishing you a wonderful rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion.